This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Erica Brescia. She's the co-founder and COO of a company called Bitnami. Now, with over 1 million deployments per month, the company provides the largest source of applications and development environments to the world's leading cloud service providers like Amazon AWS, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud Platform, and Oracle Cloud Platform. In 2016, Erica was the recipient of the Top Women in Cloud Award. She also serves on the board of directors of the Linux Foundation and was an investment partner in X-Factor Ventures, which empowers female-led businesses to succeed. Erica, are you ready to take us to the top? Uh, absolutely. Thanks uh, for having me. You bet. Thanks for coming on. So get into it quick for us. What does Bitnami do and what's your revenue model? How do you make money? Sure. So Bitnami is currently known for this catalog of applications that we package up and deliver both through bitnami.com as well as the leading cloud platform providers, as you mentioned before. So we package over 140 different apps for 14 different platforms. And the way we currently make money is by selling to uh, the cloud vendors themselves. We drive hundreds of millions of hours of usage for them and make sure they have app stores full of up-to-date, trustworthy applications that are ready to be deployed on their platform platforms. And in Q1, we're actually launching a productized version of that for corporate IT departments so they can package up their own apps and move them to cloud or containers. That's interesting. So can you give me an example of this? So for a non-technical listener, give us, a, give us an example that they might relate with. For an application, it might be uh, WordPress or Drupal if they're used to um, developing like a blog or a website. And obviously, we also package up uh, development tools and environments like GitLab and Jenkins and Node and, and Rails. So they're taking all those, you're taking all these things, packaging them together and then moving them all to the cloud. And are you doing kind of cybersecurity related stuff in that as well? We keep everything up to date. So, you know, if you pull a Bitnami image, which you can also deploy on your local Mac or, or Windows laptop too, we're not cloud only. So you can install it on your local laptop, on a local virtual environment or uh, in the cloud or in a container environment. And when you choose a Bitnami app, let's choose WordPress. Um, it has everything that you need in order to run WordPress and it's configured to be secure when you deploy it. And it's always up to date. So it's free of, you know, security vulnerabilities or malware or anything else like that. And now somebody listening, again, this is probably more of a non-tech listener. They might be going, wait, why do I need to use Bitnami and Erica's thing? I just will use, keep using WordPress like I usually do. Why are these enterprises choosing you? Um, typically because they want control over the environment. So if you're an end user and you just want to deploy your own blog, WordPress.com is probably perfect for you and there's not a need to go to Bitnami. But a lot of users want to add additional like plugins or change the way that WordPress works. And you can't do that as easily through WordPress.com. So they choose Bitnami because we've taken care of all the grunt work of um, putting all the different pieces together so that you can actually just 
deploy WordPress with one click without having to worry about all the configuration details. Um, and then you have the flexibility and power to change it in the way that you want. And this is also across the entire uh, team. Yeah, across the entire team. And this applies, obviously, to all the applications that we offer. I think WordPress is just a good example for, for users. I would imagine most of your other ones are a little more technical. For the most part, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're very, very enterprise focused. And what is the, so is this a pure play kind of SaaS business model or is it usage based on number of apps? What, how are you charging? So right now for the cloud vendors, it's based on like BD deals that we put together with them that are multi-year deals around us delivering the catalog of apps in an optimized way for their platforms. And it varies a little bit from vendor to vendor. I can't say too much more because we're under NDA with all of them. And that includes the details of the business. Um, for our um, our future offering, we'll be charging the uh, corporate IT departments directly based on the number of apps that they're packaging. Okay. And yeah, let's talk about what you're moving towards, not what you already have. Because you, you kind of smirked when I asked it, which was a good signal to something's changing. <laughs> why, walk me. I know you can't get specific on what you have currently signed, but why are you making the change? Sure. It's a pretty natural evolution, really, from our business. So we built out the ad, the application catalog and all the tooling in the service of delivering these apps to the cloud vendors. And, you know, for those who aren't that familiar with kind of server software, it's updated all the time. So it's actually a really big problem to keep all these packages up to date constantly. To give you one example, in one week, like two weeks ago, we updated 53 different application stacks. So um, We've built a lot of tooling to provide like an automated process for that so people don't need to do it manually. And we first did that to be able to meet our delivery responsibilities to the cloud vendors. But there's actually a lot of value in that for corporate IT departments who have the same problem and are probably doing a lot of this packaging manually. So it's a pretty natural evolution of the business. We're not leaving behind the cloud vendor business. That's still incredibly important. But in order to grow the company, you know, for the long term, we can't only sell to cloud vendors. We need to expand our audience. And, you know, this tooling that we've developed is really a great solution to a lot of problems corporate IT departments have. And we've heard about through our users, you know, even though we charge through the cloud vendors, as you mentioned, we have over a million deployments a month at Bitnami. So we're already used in all these uh, corporate IT environments. And, and a million a, a, one, is one deployment equal to like one corporate IT department or one person that is in the company of the corporate IT department? Good question. It's one application. So we don't look at the users of the app. It's, you know, if it was all WordPress, which it's definitely not, but it would be a million different instantiations of the WordPress application. That's really how we can count. So Erica, I think we understand kind of uh, now more about kind of what you're providing to the corporate IT departments, but you mentioned your pricing model again is to the cloud vendor. In that regard, as an analogy, can people kind of think of you like a reseller? These cloud vendors want access to you because you have all these IT departments under you? That's one way to think about it. The way that we like to explain it is kind of like more like you might think of a cable network. So we're the ones providing all of the content and the the cloud vendors are providing the pipes, right? And all the infrastructure. And you wouldn't watch TV if there wasn't great content there. So Bitnami is kind of a content provider. What's um, your leverage drives- though? Why are they willing to pay you to do that? Like what leverage do you have? 
Yeah. So um, Bitnami is really the only company that packages apps at this volume and in in this much of like a secure, trusted, consistent way. So um, we were very early into the cloud and had already built all this automation before the cloud vendors started launching marketplaces. And then as soon as they started launching their marketplaces, marketplaces at the time, Bitnami was really the only game in town. So we were already driving a lot of usage and proven that we could deliver. And so they now choose us because we're kind of like the gold standard on all the cloud vendor platforms. Like if you go to market and you have a marketplace, you need to have great content in the marketplace. And Bitnami is really the only source for doing that at the level of scale that we do. The alternative for the cloud vendors is to go and individually bring on different ISVs and open source projects into their marketplaces, which is incredibly tedious. Um, you know, the, the software vendors already have a lot of, of work to do and, and packaging and things, and they don't necessarily want to jump through all of the hoops, which are different for each cloud vendor marketplace to publish their software there. And then they might not keep it up to date um, once they publish it. So for the cloud vendors, they could either try to go out and build 150 different relationships and then stay on top of those vendors that make sure everything's up to date. Or they can sign with Bitnami and they know they have one company to call who has already proven that it can deliver. You know, when Heartbleed hit, just to give you an example of a security issue that probably everybody remembers because it was pretty painful, um, we rebuilt all of our images in under 36 hours and had them republished to all the marketplaces, which was far faster than anybody else. In fact, some cases we were faster at republishing our images than the cloud vendors were at rebuilding their own. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay. At nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule helps me so much. And by the way, Look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay. I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay. So I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14 day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no, he's given us a 45 day free trial at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever. So go get it now. Nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. Now that we kind of understand more about the business, take tell me more about your story. When did you launch this thing? <laughs> so we launched Bitnami in 2013, but I started working on the predecessor to Bitnami, which is called BitRock with my co-founder, Daniel, back in 2005. So I have a lot of experience working on this problem space. And, you know, um, Daniel and I were introduced by a mutual friend and I just started helping him on the side originally back in 2005. I had a lot of business experience. He had a lot of technical 
experience. He was building a cool product. I thought it was interesting. I was working for T-Mobile at the time, decided to help him out. And uh, one thing led to another. And now, now I'm here. So I wish I could say it was this grand plan, but it was really one of those, you know, I just went with my gut and was open to some interesting opportunities that fell in my lap. And where are you guys at now today in terms of team size and where are you located? We are in the mid seventies in terms of employees. Uh, most of the business team is based out here in San Francisco, uh, in Soma, like, like most other tech companies, it seems these days. Um, we also have a development team in Seville. We have about 30 people there and we have quite a distributed team. So we have folks in about 13 different countries and about 20% of our team now works remotely from all over the world. That's impressive. And can you give us an update? So I guess when did you, I guess you launched the official Bitnami offering back in 2012, I think you just said. You started working on the problem back in 2005. Um, what are you now today in terms of total customers you serve? Well, with the cloud vendors, you know, there's like 14 different platforms we support. So there are only so many cloud vendors that are of a size at which it makes us it makes sense for us to engage. Um, obviously, with the user base, we have millions and millions of users all over the world using Bitnami. And the users are the people, again, at the companies of the corporate IT departments that use your plumbing. Exactly. Got it. Okay. But when you talk about your customers, you talk about it's a very small market. There's only 14 that make sense and you have penetration in all of them. Yeah, more or less. I mean, I think we have, it's something like nine or 10 cloud vendors and then a few other platforms we support and a few more on the, on the way. There are more cloud vendors certainly, but, um, we're working with most of them in the U S and now we're just starting to expand a bit more internationally. So we're in China with Huawei, for example, uh, in Europe with one and one and Deutsche Telekom. And we've got some other deals in the works that I can't can't talk about yet. Got it. But okay. But there's really 14, 15, maybe 16 meaningful potential customers under the current model. Maybe that's one of the reasons yep. you're changing or updating or adding pricing it expands your market a little bit. That would be, yes, a good <laughs> assumption. 15, your total addressable market of 15 can be good and bad because you'll always know how much market share you have. You just count, right? You <laughs> <It> divide. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's been great for, we're bootstrapped. Um, That's amazing. Almost entirely bootstrapped. So that gave us a source of funding without taking on venture capital. What do you mean almost entirely? What, what was put in in the beginning? Yeah, we took a million dollars um, when we, we went through Y Combinator in 2013 and um, we took about a million bucks in a convertible note, which is now just converted into equity from a bunch of people who are very smart and experienced operators who now serve as kind of advisors as we build out the business. But we've never taken, you know, like a traditional Series A VC round. So here's an interesting lesson you can teach us. Um, typically, those those can that conversion is based off a Series A, someone coming in and valuing mm -hmm. the company. I imagine yep. you got to the point where the time had come out and you had to say, OK, investors, obviously, we're not going to pay you back this cash. You want equity anyway. How do you have the conversation about what valuation to convert at? We did offer to pay them back, but they you don't did. put their money in to they, get it yeah. back, right? <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the, the point. And, you know, the metrics of the business are really good. You're so like, here's your 8% interest rate. Take your money back. <laughs> we'll keep the, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it would have worked out well for us, but it wouldn't have been the right thing for them. So, um, yeah, it really, it was, you know, we'd had the convertible note open for about a year and we just looked at it and said, we're not going to raise funding yet. We could have extended the note, but, um, the right thing to do for the business and for the investors. So we didn't have this like ongoing need to continue to renew. Um, and there is interest involved. It's not 8%, but, um, 
but uh, it just made sense to convert it. And everybody was incredibly supportive and, and cooperative. And, you know, it's a pain in the neck. So there's a bunch of paperwork, but it was pretty painless other than, you know, just the logistics of getting everything done. And, you know, now everybody knows exactly where we stand and where they stand and everything else. It's just a lot cleaner. Was it I mean, was it a mathematical formula? Was it a was it a multiple on revenue or was it more soft, kind of more art? We had a cap in the note already. So we just converted it at the cap. So everybody, there was already kind of a pre-agreed upon valuation that we, you know, and it, I, I would argue it worked out really well for them still because the company was almost certainly worth more than that. It's hard when you don't have, you know, it's not like we had another round to compare it to. So, you know, it's anyone's guess as to what your real market value is at any time. You can certainly do a 409A, but that's not, you know, that's not what an acquirer might pay in the event of an exit or what a VC would fund the company at. So, um, you know, I, I think the investors made out really well and, and, you know, we feel good about the way it came together. You want to support the people who believed in you early on and, you know, it's the right thing to do. Erica, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, the hard thing about hard things. Ben Horowitz. It's a good one. Number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? Uh, I'm sorry, what? Is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? I should be, but no. (laughs) I'm so busy. I'm really just focused on getting everything done. And I I don't read as much or uh, do as much of that kind of research as I'd like to. That's okay. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for as you grow and scale the business? I really love Small Improvements, which is the app that we use for managing performance. It has performance reviews, but it also has a way to praise employees and it has great Slack integration. And because we have a really distributed team, it's it's useful to be able to have this kind of public way to praise people that's integrated with Slack, which is my other favorite tool, um, to make sure that different teams can show their appreciation for what you know, other parts of the company are doing. Mm-hmm. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I really aim for seven and to seven and a half. I don't always get it. <laughs> what's your, what's your situation? Find me asking married single. Do you have kiddos? I am married. I have a five-year-old son. Um, he was, you can time my Y Combinator experience from his age because he was <laughs> six weeks old when I went through Y Combinator. Wow. That's, that's a lot to manage. All right. So married one kiddo. It gets interesting. My husband's in tech too. That's incredible. <laughs> Sorry to mean interrupt you. No, that's okay. That's okay. So married one kiddo, both you and your husband are in tech. And um, uh, Erica, do you mind me asking how old you are? No, I'm 36. Okay. Last question. Take us back 16 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Oh, geez. Um, I did a lot of things probably better 16 years ago than I do now. Um, I think it'd be to not worry so much about what everybody else thinks and just stay true to my gut. You know, it took me a long time. And that's one of the best things about being a little bit older is I really know who I am and I'm a lot less concerned about, you know, other people's perception. I think if if you're true to yourself and you're a good person, good things happen. It might take a little while, but, uh, 
That's the way the world works in the long term. There you guys have from Erica. If you treat people well, good stuff will happen to you as evidenced by how they treated their early investors, those who first believed in them when they put in a million bucks on a convertible note and they just converted at the cap. She started working on this problem back in 2005 and then finally really launched Bitnami as a product many years after that. Now they're up to 75 people based between uh, Soma uh, and also a big remote team. They're spread across many, many different countries, serving really tapped out on their current customer base, you know, 14, 15, 16, expanding in Q1 with a new model. Erica, we're rooting for you. Thank you so much for taking us to the top. Thank you so much.